Hey, welcome back to the Claim the Stage podcast. I'm Angela Lucier. I'm your host. I'm also an author, speaker, and the CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. And you are listening to Claim the Stage, a public speaking podcast for women who want to discover, awaken, and create their voice through the art of public speaking. And today's episode is one that goes a little bit outside of the normal boundaries of our podcast, but it is so important and so huge for us to be talking about this topic of using the power of your voice to set boundaries and be assertive. I love this episode. I learned a ton talking to Lauren Roselle and her stories are so powerful. Her examples can be life-changing and they're things that we need to share with other women. So I want to give you an assignment for today's episode. I want you to listen to it and then I want you to share it with a friend who could use this advice or share it with a bunch of friends, but at least one. I know after I did this interview with her, I went to a birthday party for a friend of mine and we were sitting around in a group of girls and I said, Hey, today I learned, (laughs) I learned how to, um, you know, kind of talk to someone who might be following me down the street and what to say and what to do in those moments. And I felt like really excited because I got to share that with them. So that's today's, today's assignment. And I hope you take something away from this episode. I know I did. And, uh, yeah, there's nothing else to say except enjoy. So welcome everyone to the Claim the Stage podcast. I'm Angela Lucier. I'm very excited for today's episode. The title of this episode is The Power of Your Voice. And today's guest is Lauren Roselle. And Lauren Roselle is one of the world's experts on the topics of interpersonal communication, assertiveness, harassment prevention, and self-defense. And she's the founder and president of Esteem, a communication consulting firm. And Lauren has led well over 1,000 workshops and her 27 years of experience includes personal coaching, group trainings, and motivational public speaking. Lauren has reached tens of thousands with her lively and enthusiastic teaching style, and her mission is to empower those around her to walk through the world with less fear and more confidence. And her website is esteemcommunication.org. Before I I welcome Lauren to the show, I want to remind everyone who's watching and listening on Facebook today that if you have a question, you can post it in the comments and I will make sure to answer it at the end of our conversation. So Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So before we jump into this conversation we're going to have today about power and assertiveness and how to use these things to set boundaries and have the sort of life you want, I'd love to hear more about how you got into this type of work. Sure. I, um, back in the late 80s, I volunteered on the LA Rape and Battering Hotline. So I was taking calls from women who'd been assaulted, had been attacked, and was helping them through, you know, just having someone to talk to or giving them, directing them to services. And it wasn't long. I had, I had the Wednesday night overnight shift for about a year and a half. And in that time, I thought, what am I doing? I want to reach women before they're calling a hotline. I want to do something in prevention rather than just intervention. So I went on to become a certified self-defense instructor and started teaching classes and went on staff at the LA Commission on Assaults Against Women and ran their program for a couple of years until really for me what happened was I just I spent too much time behind the desk and I really wanted to be out doing trainings. So I took that leap that many of us do to start their own business and um, began reaching out and, and teaching in schools and companies and organizations and that's where it all started. I love that. And you specialize in verbal assertiveness. Can you tell us what that is? Sure. I, I think 
sometimes people have a, a, a weird idea of what assertiveness is uh, or not a clear idea. And, and so I think I, I'd like to start just by telling you my definition of assertiveness. Yeah. It's respectfully educating others on how to treat you. And that's all it is. Wait, can you say that again? I love that. Sure. Respectfully educating others on how to treat you. So you're setting a clear boundary. You're letting someone know what's okay or not okay with you. You're letting them know your feelings about a situation um, because we, we can't assume that everybody knows how what they're doing is impacting you, right? So it's about just verbalizing it and, and speaking it out loud. So if we can do that, um, we're going to avoid things getting worse because you're going to set the boundary when you feel uncomfortable, when you feel you need to. Hmm. What's the difference between being assertive and being aggressive? Right. Well, when we're aggressive, we get our needs met, but we may do it at the expense of the relationship, right? Because we're not taking into account what's going on for the other person. It's just, it's, it's about winning at all costs and the cost could be pretty high. So it's, you know, we, people know what it is to be physically aggressive, but verbal aggression has that same outcome of, of putting the other person off and, and damaging the relationship. When we're being assertive, we're still probably going to get our needs met, right? But we're going to do it taking into account the feelings and the thoughts and what's going on for the other person and, and trying to maintain the relationship. Um, and then there's, of course, the other side of it, which is the other side of aggression, which is pass, being passive. And girls and women in our culture tend to be brought up to be more on that side of the, of the spectrum, right? So it's about kind of learning to speak up, whereas sometimes with boys, it's about teaching them to like, okay, wait, take into account what's going on for someone else. You don't have to be aggressive to get your needs met. But everybody, finding that middle ground for everyone is really where it's at. If we can, if we can get everybody to be assertive in their communication, that's important. And, and it's, Oh, I'm sorry. You probably haven't. <laughs> uh, one more thing I just want to say, because I think this is something people don't always think about. Assertiveness is not a personality trait, right? I want, I want people to understand that. It's a, it's a skill that can be learned. So people say, oh, but I'm really shy. So I don't speak up because I'm too shy. But it, that's not it. It's not about being shy or being outgoing. It's about learning that skill. And the more you practice it, the easier it gets because you will see the results. You'll see the positive results and you'll go, okay, I want to do that again. Do you have a test or something that you can do in the moment when you're thinking about responding to make sure that you're not being aggressive and you're not being passive, but that so that you are being assertive? Is there like a question you can ask yourself or some sort of check, check-in? Yeah, I wouldn't say question, but here's a, a good conflict resolution skill that works really well. Um, and you can fill in the blanks. When you, I feel... I need you to, or I want you to. So when you talk to me that way, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I need for you to be more professional in our interactions, right? Mm -hmm. So you're not attacking the person. You're not saying, I can't stand you, right? I hate it when you do that. You're saying, you know, when you do this particular thing, this is the impact it has on me. This is how I'm feeling, which you may, may which they probably didn't know. And now you've just let them know. And, they, and the other thing that's interesting about that is they can't refute it. If you say to someone, hey, what you're saying is making me feel uncomfortable, they can't go, no, I'm, no, it's not, right? That doesn't even make any sense, right? So you're owning the feeling, and, and which is a very powerful thing to do. A lot of times women will go, oh, I don't want to share my feeling. That's too vulnerable. I don't want to let someone in on that. But it's like, no, you're, you're owning it. You're saying that you are making me angry or you are making me uncomfortable or you, whatever the thing is. Own that. Say it out loud. It helps you to confirm it and then say, so this is what I need instead. Mm -hmm. This is what I need from you. This is what I want you to do. And then see how they respond to that. And most people 
will respond pretty well to that because they're not feeling attacked. They don't go on the defensive. Yep. And then you have space to have a conversation. Exactly. Which is what it's all about. So when you, I feel, I need you to, it's a very effective uh, tool. Love that. How can women use their voice to be respected by others and seen as powerful? So I'm sure, well, my, there's lots of different ways to answer that question. And I, I'm sure you've heard a, heard a lot of answers to that question over the years because the work that you do. But one of the things we want to do in our language is take away all the qualifiers. Women tend to qualify a lot. So take away the perhaps and well, maybe or possibly those kinds of words remove them um, and people will respond a little bit. You'll, you'll come across as more powerful in what it is you're saying. Um, careful not to ask too many questions. All the research shows, I have a master's in, in interpersonal communication. And when I was doing my work, it was really a lot about gender and communication. And, I, and, and all the research shows that women tend to ask more questions in every single scenario in life whether it's uh, a work scenario, a social scenario, a, even a potentially dangerous scenario, which is where my work comes in. Um, but we want to try to not ask so many questions. And so instead, an example would be, instead of saying, would you please stop interrupting me? <clears throat> right? Instead, we're going to say, I, I need you to stop interrupting me when I speak. It's so much more powerful than asking the question because we ask the question to soften it because we're trying not to you know, we don't want to rub anybody the wrong way. We don't want to hurt feelings, right? But then it, it gives them the option. If you're actually saying, could you please do this? They get to go, well, I could or not, right? Mm-hmm. So it's important to try to not ask so many questions. Um, and, and also the thing I would always come back to is to stop raising your inflection at the end of a sentence. Yeah, right? can you give uh, an example of what that sounds like? Sure. So <laughs> if I had said that, you know, stop raising your inflection at the end of a sentence. You see how I, I, at the end, it sounded like I was asking a question mm-hmm. when really we just want to make a statement. Um, it, it takes away from our power. It, it makes us come into the conversation seeming like we don't really know what we're talking about or we don't really believe it because we're, we're adding that inflection at the end to kind of raise it up. And so, and that's the tough one. And I do it sometimes too, right? We have to really watch ourselves to, to kind of listen for that and have a friend who might sit with us and say, oh, you just did that again. Let's you know, say it again without the inflection and, and drop it down at the end so that you really are making a statement as opposed to a question. Are there any scenarios when that is a useful tool to soften? Wow, I would hesitate to, to, to encourage anyone to use that because, because it, we, it is habitual, right? When we, when we do these things, we, we, it becomes habit, we don't even think about it. And so I, I really encourage women in particular to start noticing all the time that we really don't want to ask the questions, we don't want to soften it, because being assertive is not being aggressive. And the problem is that women kind of, when they're being assertive, because they may have a lot of time being passive or being taught by our culture to be passive, when a woman is assertive, suddenly, whoa, is she being aggressive? Is she being over the top extreme? You know, all the names that we could get called are being a, a, an aggressive woman, right? Yeah. Um, when really she's not being aggressive at all. She's just being clear and, and, and setting that boundary. So I would say rarely would that be the way to go. So 
Your background is in interpersonal communication, assertiveness, harassment prevention, and self-defense. And we've talked a bit about the assertiveness and interpersonal communication. But when it comes to things like assault prevention and sexual harassment, how can women use their voice? Well, believe it or not, our voice is one of the most powerful tools that we have to avoid and, and, um, and even resist harassment and assault. So, you know, I, as you said in the beginning, I've taught over a thousand trainings um, and I teach self-defense techniques. I teach the actual physical techniques and they're effective and they're easy for people to learn. Um, but the most important aspect of my self-defense training is teaching women the skill to use their, their, that verbal assertiveness. That is gonna get them out of most situations. When you set a clear boundary with someone and you have congruent body language that's sending the same message, then you can absolutely deter the majority of assaults. And I, and I wanna put a little caveat on that. I'm not saying ever that a woman is to blame for an assault happening, right? So if there's an assault, there's harassment, that's on the harasser, that's on the assailant. But it, there, are, there are a lot of things we can do to prevent it. And one of them is just setting a clear verbal boundary. If you're walking down the street and you think someone's following you, you got the creepy feeling, right? That's, what, that's my big technical term, creepy feeling. So you've got that creepy feeling about this guy behind you. You think he's actually targeting you. He's following you. Most women, the number one response that women have to that situation, any, any guess? Uh, walk faster. <laughs> yeah, walk faster. That's the number one response that women have, which is natural, right? We have a, we have a um, adrenaline rush. We want to create distance. So it makes sense to want to do that. But from the perspective of the perpetrator, you've just you've just passed his interview. You've just told him, I know you're following me. I'm scared of you. And the best I can do is walk faster. Right? So instead, I actually train women to turn around and confront this guy and put their hands up in front of their body in a very, you know, stop motion, right? And say, back off, stop, get away. And when I teach this, women are like, one of the first things that comes up, but what if I'm wrong? What if he was just a guy in a hurry and I yelled at the wrong guy, you know? And I'd say, okay, first of all, it goes against our socialization as women in particular to yell at a stranger. That is not something that we just go out there and do. Mm -hmm. So if you had a, for you to turn around and yell at someone, you had to have such a strong instinct, such a strong feeling that this is not a good situation, that this is potentially dangerous. You had to overcome that, right? So if you're yelling at him, I think you're right. But even if you weren't, right? Even if you just were, you just came out of the class and you're a little pumped up and you're maybe a little paranoid because we've been talking about stuff and you turn around and you yell at this poor innocent guy who was just in a hurry, right? What happens? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I mean, he's not injured. He, yeah. As a matter of fact, his feelings are not even hurt. And that's a, that's a fear that women have. Oh, I'm going to hurt this poor innocent guy's feelings. His feelings are not engaged in this situation. He knows that we live in a world where, where, where women are being attacked and they're mostly being attacked by men. You don't know which one. So he's like, oh, you know what? I shouldn't come up that close on a woman, you know, coming down the street. And he gets it. So even if we're wrong, no harm's done. But if you tell yourself, he's not really following me. I, I don't want to turn around and confront. What if I'm wrong? If you err on that side, then literally you could be attacked versus turning around and just confronting and telling the person, and this is a key point for your listeners, tell the person what you want them to do, right? Don't turn around and say, what do you want? What's going on? Like, right, that, that would not be helpful. That's that question asking that we do, right? Yeah. Um, and even in an aggressive way, it's not, now we've opened up a conversation. Instead, you're going to tell the person to stop, back off, get away from me. And then when he does... He's now learned from, from, he's learned, okay, she's not my good target. 
right? She's not letting me get close. She's willing to be loud. Our voice can be heard by other people. So when we're, when we're in this kind of a safety situation, when we're yelling on the street, we're not counting on someone coming to our rescue, but he can't count on the fact that someone's not going to at least look and start to eyewitness what he was thinking about doing. So our voice draws attention. It makes a scene. It startles him. He wasn't expecting it. It, it gets us moving and thinking so that we're not in that frozen fear place. I'm, I'm, you know, you probably heard that, that term, frozen fear. That's a real thing that happens to people in situations where they're scared. They just freeze up and they inhale, and then there's not a full exhale. It's like, <gasps> and you're stuck, right? And if you're stuck, nothing's happening. But if you yell, and we teach in my classes, we teach the word no, we're just going to yell no. As soon as you yell a syllable, it forces you to breathe. And when you're breathing, you're going to be thinking and you're going to be moving and everything's going to happen. So, so your voice really does, it lets other people know you're, you're not the one and it helps to kind of get you going. Yeah. Can you repeat the motion again when you turn around what you say and what you do? Sure. So turning around and, 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 and literally putting your hands up in front of your face with your elbows in, in front of your, uh, your chest so that you're protecting your own body from any kind of strike. But you're also saying with your body, stop right? This is the universal stop to put those hands up like that. So you're, and so you're in a protective mode. We call it the ready stance. And then you're telling them exactly what you want them to do, what, whatever that is. Back off, get away, stop. And the further away he is, the easier it is to stop them. So if it's just you and one other person you got a creepy feeling about and they're, you know, 20 feet away from you, you can still turn around and say, hey, get away from me. Because the closer he gets, the more committed he is to the assault. Doesn't mean you can't stop it when he's close, but it's a lot easier to stop someone when they're, you know, 10 feet away than when they're three feet away. Yeah. I have so a that's question. That's one of the first things. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. That's great. I have a question for you. So, I, you know, when you're walking down the street and maybe there are some guys on the same side of the street or the opposite side of the street who start to whistle and yell things at you and they do the cat calling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Earlier this last year, I decided that the next time that happened to me, I was going to walk right over to the guys and ask them for their name and tell them my name and ask them about why they think that's okay. Ever since I made that decision, I have not been whistled at or screamed at once. And I think it's because my body energy changed and my confidence yes. walking down the street because I no longer fear that. I'm actually waiting for it to happen so I can walk <laughs> over. To I feel like hot just talking about this because I've been so yes. fired up about it. And right. So I want to ask your opinion on that. If you walk down the street with confidence and you're not afraid of something like that happening, does it change the way people respond to you? Absolutely. Um, we are very good. Humans are very good at reading nonverbal cues. Uh, and so, you know, rarely are people misinterpreted when, when it's a live interaction, right? You might get misinterpreted in a text or on a phone call, but not when it's live because people are reading that body language. And so even a stranger watching you walk down the street will read that language, the read the way you're walking, the way your uh, your head, your posture, your where's your eyes are going, if, if you're noticing what's going on around you. There was a study that was done, they went into a prison, this was decades ago, and they showed a videotape of a street scene to perpetrators in jail. And, had, and, and they asked them who would they target? And it was no sound, it was just the visual. And in this one particular study, they all picked the same people. Wow. And it was really, it was astounding. And they picked people who were in what I call downtime. And downtime right now is people with their head down where they're texting or they're looking at their phone as they're walking. Um, and a lot of times, even if people aren't using their phone, 
we walk with our head down because we're watching the sidewalk so we don't trip. And really what we want to do is bring the head up, shoulders back, glance around us as we're walking, not like in a paranoid, oh my gosh, who's around? Not that way, but just noticing our surroundings. Those were the people they didn't target because those are the people who looked like they knew where they were going. They noticed what was going on around them. They weren't going to be able to surprise them, you know, and, and kind of jump up at them. Uh, that's what works. So even just that. And so you walking with that confidence of, I'm just waiting for this thing to happen and I'm ready to go. Um, people are going to pick up on that. So I'm not surprised that you have not had that experience. And I'm, I'm glad for you that the has, that shift has happened. Um, but I do want to say to women who might be in that situation, it may not always be the safest thing to do to go up and approach uh, directly, right? A group. Uh, now you can absolutely be empowered to do that. Um, but you know, the thing I would want to at least have people do is turn and look at them and give them a look that says, don't even. Like, you know, you don't even have to say something to let them know. Because it's, it's women who say, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to pretend like I don't hear them. Yeah. He know, they know that you can hear them. Yeah. Right? So they're, they're winning in that situation. Versus you looking at them like, what is your problem? You guys are jerks. Um, and, and keeping on walking so that you stay safe. Because safety is, of course, the number one thing. But I also don't want people to take in that, that negative experience. And then what happens for a lot of women is we have some crappy thing happen where there was harassment on the street or some guy said something to us and we aren't able to deal with that person. So then we end up un, un, unconsciously taking that out on some other good guy in our life who does some minor thing wrong. And then we're like, what? you know, because we, we realize this is still in me, right? I'm angry about this. And it is something to be angry about, but we want to kind of let it out in a healthy way. Yeah. And, and that's not to deter some women like yourself from actually confronting in the moment um, when you feel like you're, it's safe to do that. Absolutely. I would encourage you to, to take a self-defense class first so that you would be prepared for any, any bad outcomes. But generally speaking, Oh, good. Good. Yeah, just but generally speaking, guys, guys will, they will, they will, uh, they'll back down when they're confronted directly. Cool. So we've talked a little bit about boundaries in this context, but in, in a larger context in life, why is it important to set clear boundaries? Because if, you know, it's important for your own sense of self truly, and, and to be connected to your self-worth and your esteem, <clears throat> because if you're, if you're able to recognize what your boundaries are, and that is another key point, right? Just recognizing when a boundary is being crossed or when yeah. you're uncomfortable. Um, <clears throat> so when you do that, then you're kind of owning, yeah, this is what's true for me. This is my truth. This is who I am. And, and it does connect very directly, I believe, to how you feel about yourself and your self-worth. So I think that in itself is why is a, is a reason to set clear boundaries with people. What are the steps to setting clear boundaries? Okay, so the one is the one I just mentioned, recognizing where your boundaries are. And that might seem really simplistic, but I think for a lot of women, our boundaries have been crossed so often and so, you know, from a very young age that sometimes we don't recognize it until after the fact, like, whoa, what? there was something wrong with that, right? Um, so you can't really set a boundary if you don't know where you stand. So kind of knowing where you stand is, 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 is number one. And then getting in touch with your feelings and, and practice being self-aware. Like, how am I feeling in this moment? Am I starting to feel anxious? What would be making me anxious? Oh, is it something that person's saying or doing, right? If you, if you have that self-awareness, that's going to help. Um, so that you go, okay, this person's making me uncomfortable. That's a cue that they may be violating a boundary. How can I deal with that? 
Uh, and then the next step, of course, would be to be direct about what's going on for you. Don't assume that other people know what's going on. And that's, I think that's an assumption we make a lot that, of course, they know that this is making me uncomfortable. Um, and, but they don't necessarily know that. And so you have to be, one of the things I always say is you have to be okay with saying no. And the great thing about it is if you can say no, your yes is that much more powerful. Hmm. Right? Are there so, any other things you could say to be direct and, and communicate those boundaries? Um, well, that when you, I feel I need you to, that's a good go-to in almost every situation. Um, uh, but you have to, I guess one of the things I want to say is you have to give yourself permission to put yourself first. Hmm. That's a big one. Um, and that, and then that is particularly tough for women because we really are socialized to care for what's going on for other people and their feelings. And it's not that we're not taking other people's feelings into account, but we also have to go, wait, how is this making me feel? Right. And then communicate assertively about what that is. Um, and, and all of this gets easier with practice. I, I have talked to, <clears throat> I'm going to give an example of my niece. She, uh, she has, um, she's an adult now. And when, you know, she, she's had her fair share of training in self-defense and assertiveness because she's my niece, right? Uh, but when she was in eighth grade, um, we did an exercise in a class that, that I taught that she was in. And I do this with all the middle school girls that I work with, um, where we talk about this idea of being at a party and there's a guy who, and you're having a nice conversation with the guy who's sitting next to you on the couch. He's not a creep. He's just a regular guy. And at some point in the conversation, you're not comfortable with this. He puts his hand on your knee. And I asked them, you know, what do you think you would do? And, and most women, adult women and teen girls, the number one response they have to that is to adjust their legs in some way, readjust, recross their legs, <clears throat> do something that will, you know, make it kind of slide off. Um, and the research shows that about two to three minutes later, the hand comes back because he didn't get that message. That was too subtle um, for a lot of people. And then the second most likely response that, that women will give to that is to kind of make up an excuse to get up and walk away, right? Uh, oh, you know, I'm a little thirsty. I need to go get something to drink. And they don't come back. And he has no idea why they didn't come back, right? There's, there's no awareness of what that was about. So we talk about um, the fact that you have to, the, the, the best communication is direct communication. And that is just to say, you know what? I was really enjoying our conversation, but I'm not okay with the hand on the knee and most guys will will go oh sorry i didn't know because these these boys are being taught you know you like a girl you touch her so that that that's they're still getting that message and we have to and that's unfortunate but it is what we're dealing with right so we have to tell them we have to educate them one-on-one -on -one. so i you know i taught her those kinds of things i taught her about being assertive and then years later she's about you know maybe 16 or 17 and she comes to me and she said you know, back in eighth grade, when you taught that, we did that thing with the hand on the knee and we all had to go around the room and do that. And I said, yeah. And she said, well, you know, at the time I thought it was kind of silly. Like, what's the point of this? And this is never going to happen to me. And she said, but I have to tell you of all the things that I've ever been taught that those assertiveness skills have really, really come through for me. And I said, what do you mean? She said, I have had to set those kind of boundaries so many times since then, I can't even count them. And she started to list off some examples. And she said, and the interesting thing was, every time I did it, nobody freaked out, nobody got defensive. They just were like, okay. And then with each successive time, I realized this works. Like I'm gonna keep doing this because it actually works. 
And, and I, I, I share that story with you because I think it's important for women to know that even if you haven't been being as assertive as you'd like to be, when you start doing it, you will see the results and that will give you confirmation that you're doing something that works and that's effective and that feels good and that's taking care of your needs and being respectful of the other person, which is really all we want. Yeah. And you're practicing the skill. So it gets easier every time, right? Exactly. Exactly. So we have a question from uh, Lenore who's watching on Facebook right now. And she is asking, is there anything we shouldn't say or do when confronting a potential assailant? I think you said not to ask a question, but is there anything else? Yeah. Uh, you don't, somebody, especially if they're coming through with a lot of anger, the one thing you don't want to say to an angry person is calm down because that is so triggering, right? They, you, 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 someone's yelling at you and you're like, calm, just calm down. And they're going to be like, what? You know, so we don't, you want to calm them down, but not by saying the words calm down. So, um, if, and there's so many different, when she says potential assailant, it really depends on the scenario. So we've got the, if we've got the really angry guy, then we want to deescalate the situation. Hey, what's going on? What, why are you angry? What's happening? Asking, that is when actually asking questions works really well. That is the exception. That's where we want to ask questions because we want to sort of um, kind of put a little break in that rage that he's got going on, kind of, the, it forces him to pause. Um, if you have like a sexual predator, someone who's coming on really strong with total creepiness and harassment, then we're gonna, we're gonna get very loud very quickly, right? Because we wanna draw attention. If you don't leave me alone, if you don't back away, I'm gonna scream so loud they're gonna hear across the street. Uh, perpetrators don't like to have the witnesses, so they're likely to be deterred by that. Um, if you have the nice guy who doesn't take no for an answer, right? Someone who's being really friendly, you're not getting any kind of a threatening vibe, but it's like you're just not interested in whatever it is that he is trying to get you to do or, or the conversation he wants to have, then you need to actually say that. You know what? I'm, I'm not interested. You need, you know, you're, you've got the wrong person. Just continually saying no in as many ways as you can, um, as opposed to not now or not really, or again, those qualifiers are not going to work with someone who is, is not hearing the first no. So you have to be very, very clear. Um, I, I would say we don't, in general, if you've got an assailant who's targeting you, they're usually going to interview you. And I'll, I'll give an, I can give an example from my life. Um, this happened about 10 years ago. My doorbell rang at about four o'clock in the afternoon. And, I, and, you know, my students always say, should I open the door? I'm like, of course, you don't have to open. You don't, you're not, you don't force to open the door to anybody you don't know. That the safest thing to do is, you know, you don't have to. But, you know, do as I say and not as I do, self-defense instructor. Um, I open the door. And there's a young man who was like 20 or so. And he had some pamphlets in his hand. And he was, I didn't get a creepy feeling, I have to say. My, my first initial instinct about him was not creepiness but he was annoying. He was talking really fast and he was really performing. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm selling magazine subscriptions and I'm trying to earn an internship to the BBC. And, and he's talking super, super fast. And then every once in a while he'd go, how am I doing? How am I doing? And I was like, oh my gosh, so annoying, right? So obnoxious. Yeah. And I'm not interested in the magazine subscriptions. And then he says, um, well, you know, even if we're, even if you don't buy anything, the company I'm working for wants to make sure we're being professional as we go door to door. So I'm wondering if I could get your number so they could call. And now I'm starting to get a little, that's weird, right? So I'm thinking, what's going on here? And then he says, do you prefer a heavy breather or a light breather? 
And I was like, what? So here's the moment. This is the key moment in this interaction. So now he's made an inappropriate comment. He's sort of kind of hearkening back for your younger listeners. I want to say he's, he's mentioning, he's making this comment, hearkening back to a day before caller ID where there were creepy guys who would, predators who would call women on the phone and just breathe into the phone. And it was just like this creepy sexual thing. So he's making a, a, an inappropriate joke, right? About do I prefer a heavy breather or a light breather? And in that moment, I looked at him. I put one hand up in front of my face like this. And I said, you need to keep it professional. And the minute I said that, that whole persona that he had going on was gone. His head dropped down. He backed away from my door. He started mumbling under his breath. And I had the door closed, you know, fairly quickly after that. At the time, I just thought, wow, he was just sort of a creep. And he went over the line with that inappropriate joke, right? And I didn't really give it much more thought. Well, the next morning, I had a flyer on my doorstep, as did everyone else in my town from the police department. And it was a description of him. And he was at my house at, at uh, 4 o'clock. And at 5.50, the call went into the police. Four blocks away, he raped a woman. Wow. So what, what I want you to understand about that is he was interviewing me. How I handled that inappropriate comment made all the difference in the world. If I had had a passive response to that moment, that passive response might have been nervous laughter. That would be a very you know, reasonable response that women would have. Uh, or just ignoring it, pretending like I didn't hear it. Right? Those responses would have had me passing his interview. The reason I got rid of him is not because I'm a certified self-defense instructor. He didn't know that. I got rid of him simply by saying, hey, you need to keep it professional. I set a boundary about this is how you have to treat me. And in that moment, he went, wrong one, wrong one, right? So, uh, and, and by the way, the woman he assaulted, um, just, just to kind of round out that story, he had said he needed a level surface to write on. So he needed a, he needed a clipboard or he needed something because he didn't have a clipboard. So she let him into her house and that's how the assault happened. Wow. Um, and you might, and I know people go, Oh my gosh, how come she did that? We let people into our houses all the time, right? That you, but you have to listen to those, those instincts and, and be, be okay with making someone feel a little uncomfortable standing that you're not letting them into your house. That's okay. But I think that story is really a powerful one because it illustrates that was my voice that did that. It was not anything else. I didn't have to use any of my physical self-defense moves on him. He, he decided I was not a good target, even though he was planning it. He opened, I opened the door and he saw a middle-aged woman and he thought, oh, good target, right? And then saw, no, not so much. Not today or no, any day. <laughs> well, there's a part of me, if you knew me well, you'd know there's a part of me that kind of wishes he'd come on in because then I would have taken him out and then that woman would not have been raped that day. I think about that all the time. I, mm. I really do. But, sure. but I think it's an, it's an important story for people to hear uh, to, to show how, how little it can take. I mean, you might be walking down the street and you think someone's following you and you just turn around and look at them. And you look them in the eye and that, that could be enough. You may have done something like that already where you've averted uh, a potential interaction because you just let them know I'm not, a, it's a very assertive thing to do to make eye contact. Yeah. So don't be afraid to do that. Thank you. Before we jump into the lightning round, is there anything else we should know about the power of our voice and how to use it? Uh, I, I would say that Literally just using it is powerful, right? That in and of itself is just speaking your truth and saying what you know 
is true for you. That that is goes so far. And and look what's happening uh, in the Me Too movement right now because of all the women speaking up, just telling the truth, telling what's happening for them. It's it's we're literally seeing a a cultural shift. I, I, we are we are living in an amazing time right now. When I started my business, it was right at the same time as the uh, Clarence Thomas uh, hearings for the Supreme Court with Anita Hill, who had um, came forward with all of her the stories of the harassment that he had done to her in the workplace and the way that she was treated back then was un, it was in, incredibly horrible. But I really thought at the time, oh, we're talking about sexual harassment. Like this is a national conversation now. This is going to change because now we everybody's naming it and they know what it is. And then it didn't change, right? But this time, it is because this time so many women are coming forward with 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 such powerful stories and they're being believed. But they couldn't be believed until they were heard, right? And you can't be heard until you say it out loud. So that 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 power that women are finding right now and we're hearing about on the national level i think people can need to take that personally as well like yes no matter what it is whether it's harassment or something else when you are speaking out um that's a powerful thing thank you and let's jump into the lightning round uh if you were given an extra hundred dollars per week what would you do with it hundred dollars i you know date night i think date <laughs> night Go, going out having a wonderful dinner you know maybe a movie yeah, date night. And what is your favorite uh, word and what does it taste like? <laughs> I don't know that I have a favorite word, but one of my, a word I like is uh, snuggle. I like the word snuggle because it just sounds like what it is. And um, the taste for me would be like caramel. Oh, I was thinking vanilla ice cream. Those two go well together. They could snuggle. They yeah. Okay. Good. All right. <laughs> Uh, what does it mean to you to claim the stage? Own your space, stand your ground, and speak your truth. That's what it means to me. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to share or promote to the listeners? Um, you know, if you want to be a more assertive communicator, I, I really recommend that you take an empowerment-based women's self-defense class. It doesn't have to be mine, but it, I, I really believe that when you've, when you've learned what, that you can physically take care of yourself, that gives so much more power to your words, right? So if you say to someone, hey, get away from my car, it's a lot easier to say that if you know you have something to back it up. Like what if he doesn't, right? Even though he probably will, right? So I, I, I encourage women to do that. And then the other thing that's happening for me right now that I, I love, you're the first person I'm sharing this with. Um, so I, I've, I've partnered up with two other people and we, are, we have created a sexual harassment app and it's not even been launched yet. We're just getting ready to beta test it, um, uh, hopefully with a couple of colleges in this next month. But it's going to be an app where we're particularly geared towards women, but to anyone who feels like they're in a situation. There's, I think what's happening now is that we're hearing about these really egregious harassment cases that make the news. And then women who are in other kinds of situations are downplaying what's happening for them because they're saying, well, it's not as bad as what's on the news. But it doesn't mean it's still not harassment. So our app is actually geared toward giving the, um, the user a series of questions that they ask, um, that they get asked and answer so that it gives them a, a, a score that puts them in like figuring out, is this, is this harassment? Is it just bordering? Is it just annoying? Um, right? And, and so it kind of gives them an idea of where it falls and then it gives them action steps to take 
to be able to address the situation, um, gives them options. And then it also has a self-care portion to it where it's like, you know, you're in a stressful situation. Here are some things you can do to take care of yourself emotionally. Um, so all three of those components are a part of the app. It's called the sexual harassment meter. And awesome. um, so I'll, I'll be sure and let you know about it when it comes out because it's going to be soon, but I'm, yeah. I'm super excited about that. Yeah, I definitely do. Thank you for building that. That's incredibly important. And remind us where we can get more information about you. Yeah, my, my website is the number one place to go, esteemcommunication.org. Um, and from there, you can reach me and find all my Facebook and LinkedIn and all that good stuff. Excellent. Well, Lauren, thanks so much for coming on the show today. This was enlightening and empowering, and I'm like pretty excited to use the stuff that you taught us here today. And oh, I'm great. sure that those listening feel the same way. So thank you for the work that you do. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, there you have it. My interview with Lauren Roselle. I hope you enjoyed it. She is a gem. I love her passion for what she does. And it is so clear that she is the right woman for this job. If you have any questions, you can always check out her website. And if you have any ideas or suggestions for upcoming guests or topics, please feel free to email me anytime at Angela at speakersisterhood.com. And if you're looking to practice using your voice and you want to get more comfortable in any situation with being assertive and being more confident in sharing your perspectives, check out the Speaker Sisterhood. We are at speakersisterhood.com and we have clubs around New England and also online so you can join from anywhere in the world. Thanks for listening today. It was a pleasure to talk with you once again. And as always, stop waiting, start creating. I'll see you next time.